You've, uh, I'm sure, all heard the little rhyme, sticks and stones may what? But words will, will never hurt me. Oh, if that were so. It's not so. It's not true at all. Uh, yeah, sticks and stones can certainly break our bones, but words can leave us permanently damaged. Words can inflict far deeper pain, actually, than what any physical wound can do. And I'm betting that at some point in your life, you've been the recipient of that. That reality has been what you have felt and observed. Maybe, sadly, but entirely possibly, at some point you've even been one that's caused that kind of hurt to others. We're all capable of that, sadly. Unfortunately, in our fallen, sinful, selfish state, it's just so easy, isn't it, to deal out hurt, pain, wounds by what we say or how we say it, the way we communicate, the way we shouldn't communicate and do. Yeah, words, words definitely have the potential and the power to hurt deeply, lastingly. So... That rhyme is just not true at all. And it's because of that that God's Word gives us such a clear command. And as we continue in this series, One Another's, the one another we're going to consider today, like last week, is a don't. It's what we're not to do one to another. And because of everything that I just said and reminded you of in in terms of the reality and the power to hurt by what we say... God's Word clearly gives us the command to not criticize one another. Don't criticize one another is the area of focus we're going to look at together as we continue to consider the one another's that are supposed to mark our lives as individual Christians and is to define our entire body together. Don't criticize one another. That's what we're going to be talking about and considering together And we find this admonition in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Look at that with me, please. James 4, 11 and 12. I'll be reading from the CSB with this passage. James 4, 11 and 12. This is God's Word to you and to me. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. And that word, criticize, in this translation, it, you might have, don't speak evil against one another, don't speak against, might even have don't slander in whatever translation or version you're reading from. All are, all are accurate, all fit, all work. The word here that Paul uses, whether that's criticize or speak evil, it's the Greek word katalalelia. And that word refers to a careless, critical attitude. Careless, critical attitude. It's directed toward others. It also refers to giving out destructive rather than constructive criticism. How many times have you been on the receiving end of that? How many times have you been the one that does that? Ouch, I know. But hey... Uh, There's a big finger pointing back to myself, just as much as to you, okay? We're all under the need to be reminded of this. 
Don't have this as part of your mindset, as part of your heart. Don't give this to others, this careless, thoughtless, critical attitude. Don't be people that give out destructive rather than constructive criticism. Don't criticize. Don't speak evil. Don't slander one another. Anyone, let's continue reading, anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer, which is what that is, that's what we're doing when we are criticizing or speaking evil against or slandering, we're defaming, we're judging a fellow believer. Anyone who does that defames and judges the law. And if you judge the law, James says, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. What he's saying there is that when we judge our fellow Christians, and this is outside of the necessary times, to call out and confront sin. If you were with us in our last series, keep it in context, we spent a whole message talking about the fact that people are quick to say, oh, don't judge, don't judge me, and they they pull out that card, right? Don't judge, God's Word says, don't judge me. We talked about how that is completely out of context, that there are times where we are commanded, where we must judge sin. We must judge what is contrary to God's Word and His will. That's not what James is talking about. We need to get that very, very clear. He's not talking about the times where it is absolutely necessary for us to address and deal with sin. He's talking about judging motives, judging character, judging the things that we have no business judging, uh, the, the unnecessary and the unchristlike manner of judgment. That's what he's, he's addressing here. So he's saying when we judge our fellow Christians in that way, outside of the proper, necessary way, we, we put ourselves in the same place as God's law. And when we exceed even what God's law prescribes as we make our judgment, then in effect, we are judging the law itself. We're saying God's law doesn't go far enough here. I'm going to judge even beyond what God's law prescribes or sets up. And this is something that we obviously have no authority to do. And unfortunately, that doesn't stop us. Many times we go right ahead and judge anyway. But that's what James is saying here. When we do this, when we act in this way, when we criticize one another and we speak evil of one another and we slander, we're setting ourselves up as our brother or sister's judge and we're even going beyond the law of God itself and we have no business going into that territory. Verse 12 tells us this. And this is a complete companion, continuing thought to what he just said in verse 11. This is the reason why we should not do that. This is the reason why we have to avoid what he says in verse 11. Look at verse 12. There is one lawgiver and judge. One. One lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. And that's not you. And that's not me. Look at what he says at the end of this verse. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You could even say, so, there, instead of but. There's one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but or so, who are you 
Who am I to judge your neighbor in this way, in an arbitrary way, a non-biblical way, a non-necessary, non-spiritual way, a fleshly, human way? Speaking of this one lawgiver and judge, a good correlating passage, a good correlating verse is 1 Corinthians 4, 5. I'm going to read that to you, and this is the Apostle Paul writing this. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. I love the way uh, that translation in this particular verse really carries out uh, the meaning and the emphasis of what the Apostle Paul is saying here. So 1 Corinthians 4, 5, in connection with what we just read in James 4, 12. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. It's a pretty terrifying thought, isn't it? And yet, it's absolutely what will happen. He will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then, God will give to each one whatever praise is due. So there is a coming day when all will be revealed, all will be reckoned with, all will be dealt with, but that day is not right now. That day is not here until it is. And until then, we need to be very careful, Christian, about ascending to the place of judge that is never ours to ascend to. We need to leave that for the one judge that we all answer to and will answer to. All of this points to a sad but common reality in every church and every group of believers, and that's this. And this is what James is trying to challenge us about and guard us against, we often do Satan's work for him while he sits back and enjoys the show. We often do Satan's work for him while he sits back, relaxes, Maybe has popcorn, just enjoys the show. Enjoys the unraveling of what is supposed to be together. Enjoys the conflict and the chaos that we bring about that goes right along with his plan, right along with his strategy. That's what James is addressing here. James is such an incredible, small little book, and yet it packs such a punch. If you don't know James well, if you haven't spent time reading and studying and going through James, I encourage you to do that. If you're in between Bible studies, go into James. If you finish one and you're getting ready you know, to start another one, there's, there's your Bible study. I just want to encourage you, pick that one. If you have already spent time in James, put it on your list for the new year. James is just so incredibly relevant and applicable and beneficial. James chapter 3, he spends a lot of time talking about the power of the tongue. 
The power of the tongue and the power that that the tongue has to destroy. And it does, doesn't it? Our words and our tongue and our mouth, unsanctified, has this incredible, terrible power to destroy whole lives, families, ministries, churches, communities, countries. He talks about the importance of taking the tongue and the words in our mouths to the only one who can control it and make it what it needs to be, and that's not us. Then at the beginning of James 4, he talks about the reason why there's so much conflict, the reason why there's so much problem and divisiveness and chaos in our lives and in our bodies. And it's because we war against one another. We're divided. We're selfish. He spends all this time talking about it. Then he gets down to the end of that passage with what we've just been reading. The reason why there's so much conflict. The reason why there's so much issue. And it's tracing back to our ego and our pride and our lack of humility and the fact that we do this. We set ourselves up as each other's judges. And that's exactly what Satan wants to happen. And unfortunately, most of the time, he doesn't have to work very hard because we do it all on our own. Galatians 5, 14 and 15, I want to read that to you as well. It's a complete contrast to the situation that James is warning about. And I mean, the reason he's warning about it is because it's happening, because it's so prevalent, so frequent. And it didn't stop with the first century. It's just as prevalent, just as frequent for us today. And so his warning here in James, what he writes, is just as relevant for us as it was to the original recipients. And Galatians 5.14 is a great contrast to what is so often the case in our churches and what James is warning about. And it's certainly the contrast to what Satan wants to have happen. Galatians 5.14 says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's been called the royal law. It's what Jesus said was the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. You love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. He said in Matthew 22, and he said, and the second is like it. The second goes right along with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what he was saying there is, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, it's a clear sign you don't really love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you will love your neighbor as yourself. There are so many problems and conflicts that would be resolved and wouldn't even happen to begin with if we all resolved to live and act that way. Don't you agree with that? I mean, just think about it. If we loved one another the way we're supposed to consistently, we loved each other with an overflow We talked last week about the overflowing cup, right? What's in your cup? If you have conceit and arrogance in your cup, it's going to overflow to other people. Remember that? Well, if we're loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind the way we're supposed to, empowered by the Holy Spirit, then guess what will overflow to one another? Love. 
the love that we have for God and the love that God has for us, it'll overflow to one another. So much would be solved if we did that. And that's what we're called to do. Paul says in Galatians 5.14 that the entire law is fulfilled in that. But then verse 15. But, and this is exactly what James is talking about in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, our main text. This is exactly what Satan wants to have happen. This is his strategy. But, If you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Why? Because there's no end to this. It's an endless, horrible cycle. Take this and connect it to what our main text is, James 4, 11 and 12. Do not criticize or do not speak evil against one another. Do not slander. The reason why that's so important and connected to this is because what happens is, as I criticize you, as I judge you, and as I speak evil against you, if that happens, it gets back to you inevitably. Somehow it will. And then, fleshly, humanly, your reaction is going to be to do the same to me. And so there's just this constant cycle of mutual criticism, mutual condemnation, mutual judgment. Mutual chaos and disunity and division and bitterness. And what ends up happening is exactly what verse 15 of Galatians 5 says. We end up just biting and devouring one another. And if it doesn't stop, we'll end up just consuming one another. And that's exactly what Satan wants to happen. How many times... Have you seen that play out exactly like that? And how many times does not only our enemy sit back with glee and joy watching this unfold, but more devastating than even that, how many times does our Savior, who gave Himself for the church, seize that with a broken heart? Oh, church, church, we have to resolve together, individually and corporately, that that is not what will define us. We have to resolve to be completely opposite of that. We need to resolve to be exactly what Galatians 5.14 says is true, and that needs to be true of us. We need to bring a smile to our Savior's face not sadness. We need to fill his heart with joy, not break his heart by our actions. Here's what this means. Let me just put this kind of in one statement, what we're talking about up to this point. Being a Christian shouldn't equal being critical. Being a Christian shouldn't equal being critical. But unfortunately, as I've already said, and now say again, unfortunately, we frequently behave as if it does. The message we send, unfortunately, many times loud and clear is that that's what being a Christian means. It means being critical. 
we are often known more for what we are against than what we are for. And we spend way too much time, way too much energy, criticizing and arguing about non-essential things. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about theology. Those are essential, foundational things that we must call out, that we must confront, that we must debate when that needs to happen. When there's error and apostasy, absolutely we, we have to confront that and war over that if need be. That's not what I mean, and that's not what, let's just be honest, that's not what usually occupies our judgment. Most of the time, it's the non-essential things. A good example of what I'm talking about and what James is talking about in James chapter 4, 11, and 12 can be found in Romans 14. Listen to a few verses from that chapter that I'm going to read to you. Just a few verses that wonderfully accurately picture what I'm trying to express here and what we're talking about as a whole together today. This also is going to be from the NLT. Romans 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 to begin. Romans 14, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul says this, Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. Did you hear that? Don't argue about disputed matters. Then he gives example. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats all things must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat must not judge one who does because God has accepted him. And then in verse 5, he says this, continuing the example. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. And then after saying some more things, he brings it together, verse 13. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. I mean, doesn't that just tie it all together? We have to make sure we major on the majors and don't major on the minor, which unfortunately we get backwards so much of the time. And when we get that backwards, we do exactly what James is challenging us against doing. When we get that backwards, when we major on the minors, that inevitably leads to that criticizing, that judgment, that speaking evil against one another, the slander. The whole point of what James is saying here and the Greek word that he uses, katalalelia, that is the picture of people kind of huddled together, gathering and holding their own little counsel against someone else. That's the image and the picture conveyed in the word that he used there. 
And unfortunately, that's so often what takes place in the body rather than the unity and the majoring on the major that we're supposed to be about. So, with all that in mind, just like I said last week, as we looked at all of that and considered all of that, the not provoking one another, not envying one another, we talked at length about that problem, but I didn't want to just leave you with the problem. Remember I said that God's Word is so good and that it doesn't just identify an issue, it doesn't just tell us, hey, don't do this. It also gives us the means, the wisdom, the instruction on what to do and what to do to change what it's saying not to do, right? So just like we talked about last week, I want to also now give us the solution. We've talked at length about this problem. We've talked at length about what we're not to do. We're not to speak evil against one another. We're not to arbitrarily criticize. We're not to slander and put one another down and tear each other down. We're to lift one another up. We're to build each other up. We're to love the way we are loved. We're to have love define us. All of those problems can be addressed and helped by very clear solutions. And so here's the solutions to this that I want to give you and I want to provide. First, the first solution to avoiding what James is telling us to avoid is to do this. It's seeing ourselves correctly should keep us from speaking critically of others. That's the first principle that I want to just share with you that I absolutely believe, and I'm going to show you from Scripture why that's true. But this is the first principle that I really want you to make sure you understand and get down, not just on paper, but in your mind, in your heart, because this is so essential. Seeing ourselves correctly, Christian church, should keep us, will keep us from speaking critically of others. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5 tells us that. Here's Jesus' words. We talked about this in the last series, to keep it in context. He says this, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite! First, Take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. (laughs) I mean, once again, it's so clear. It's so clear. Better one, better two. Better one, better two. Well, I mean, there's no question which is better. What is solved by me trying to help you out with your little problem when I've got a big problem? And vice versa. No, we need to look to ourselves. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to see ourselves the way the Word of God shines its light on us, the mirror of God's Word. We need to step in front of that, as uncomfortable as it is, see ourselves accurately, deal with ourselves the way we need to deal with ourselves, And then, as God leads, 
then we can be helping one another in love, in grace. Make sure we speak the truth in grace and love. Can't forget that, can't neglect that. We often do, and then there's that problem again, and the cycle starts all over again. But this is where it needs to start. Seeing ourselves correctly, dealing with ourselves correctly, that should keep us from speaking critically or evil against one another. Second principle that is also a solution to this problem that James is talking about in our main text today. Second solution. Second truth. And oh, how true this is. We need God's help to say the right things in the right way. We need God's help to say the right things in the right way. Because, you know this, a lot of the time, the problem is not that what we are saying when we are perhaps nudging a believer, a fellow believer, or when we're calling something out, or when we're addressing an issue, a lot of the times the issue is not that what we've said necessarily is wrong. It's that we've said the right thing the wrong way. We've said it in a non-Christ-like way. We've, we've forgotten to season the truth with grace and with love. We've said it in a harsh way. We've said it in a, in a very personally attacking way. We've forgotten the grace. And so a lot of the times, what we need is help to say the right things in the right way, the right manner. And we certainly need God's help to avoid saying the wrong things the wrong way. The point is we need His help. We need supernatural intervention because unfortunately our default is many times the wrong thing. Here's what Psalm 141 verse 3 says. And this is a prayer that needs to be on the lips of all of us. This is what we all need to continually express. Psalm 141.3 Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? Isn't that essential? Lord, set up a guard for my mouth and keep watch at the door of my lips. That's what we need. That's what I need. That's what you need. And just imagine how much better our lives would be individually. Our lives would be together. How much, how much more together our body would be consistently if we all daily, moment by moment, applied those things. If we all just continually saw ourselves correctly. If we all continually said, oh God, please, please help me in this. Help me say the right things in the right way. Set up a guard for my mouth, Lord. I I can't do it. I'm not a good enough guard. I, I will let things slip through. Please set a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. I mean, if this is what was our habit, think about how much different our actions would be. So I just want to challenge you in this way. Make this your continual practice where you say personally, Lord, help me to see myself correctly. 
the way you see me, the way your word shows me to be, so that that will keep me from speaking critically or speaking evil against my fellow believers. Lord, please help me say the right thing the right way. Set your guard over my mouth. Please, you, keep watch at the door of my lips. And I'm going to pray in just a minute, but I want to encourage you, don't just listen to me pray. You take these closing moments to express this to the Lord in your way and as you need to. And ask Him to reveal to you specific ways you have not been doing this. Ask Him to reveal to you specific ways that you have been doing exactly what James 4, 11 and 12 says not to do. Ask Him to reveal to you specific ways that you have criticized wrongly a fellow brother or sister. Ask Him to reveal to you the ways that maybe you have been speaking evil against your brother and sister. Ask Him to reveal the ways that you've been setting yourself up as judge over someone else, which you're not supposed to do, and certainly on things that aren't really necessary to be judged. And just give all that to Him. Give all of that to Him. Release all that, confess it, ask His forgiveness, and then release that and put Him back in the place that He is supposed to be at. The throne. The only one that is to occupy the throne of your life and everyone else's life. And pray this prayer of Psalm 141.3 as you wrap up. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Let's go to the Lord together. Father, I thank you for your word. This passage is hard-hitting that we've looked at today, as so much of James is, but we need sometimes, we need those hard hits to wake us up, to snap us out of the really stupid behavior that we so often are marked by. We need sometimes not the soothing balm of your word, although there are many times we do need that, and that's certainly there, but we sometimes need the power punch to break a cycle or pattern of sin that has been long, long overdue to be dealt with. Thank you for your word and the challenge of it, specifically as we've looked at and considered today. Oh God, I pray by your Spirit's power that the people of Faith Baptist Church would be people that apply the command of James 4, 11, and 12 that we don't criticize, speak evil against one another, that we don't elevate ourselves into the place of judge that only your Son has the right to occupy, that we don't set ourselves up and above your perfect law, that we would be people that, as Galatians 5.14 says, that we fulfill your law, by being people that love 
one another as we love ourselves. Help us not to do Satan's dirty work for him. Help us not to be people that tell others that being a Christian equals being critical. Let that be far from us. Oh, Father, I pray, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves accurately and rightly and help us to say the right thing the right way. May that define all of us every day. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.